welcome to South Asia Chat, a podcast brought to you by the Institute of South Asian Studies at the National University of Singapore. I'm your host, Ramita Ayer, a research analyst at the Institute. In late November, the United States Trade Representative Catherine Tai and Deputy United States Trade Representative Sarah Bianchi met with India's Minister of Commerce and Industry Piyush Goel and Commerce Secretary BVR Subramanian to discuss the implications of the visit on Indo-US trade relations and what it means for the region as a whole. Today, we have with us Dr. Amitendu Palit, Senior Research Fellow and Research Lead Trade and Economics at ISAS. Welcome to South Asia Chat, Dr. Palit. Thank you so much, Ramita. A pleasure to be here. To start off, can you give us a background and the significance of the meeting? You know, I think this meeting in a large number of ways has been a very significant meeting. And the significance of the meeting is evident from the fact that this is the first formal visit of the USTR after a new administration assumed office in the United States. And it also comes in the backdrop of a large number of thoughts and suggestions and issues that have surrounded the India-US trade relations. And finally, the strategic context, which has evolved very significantly over the last one to two years, particularly in the aftermath of the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic. What this visit did was it brought the new trade administration in the United States on a very specific and purposeful wavelength with its counterpart in India. And this meeting actually was notable uh, not just because it was the first meeting of the new USTR, but also because of the fact that the statement that was released subsequent to the meeting was rather unusual in the details and specificities that it contained. And there were broadly uh, two areas on which the meeting focused, the first of which was an intention to sort out a large number of existing trade issues uh, which related to the questions of tariffs, standards, non-tariff barriers, investment-related issues, and so on and so forth. And then it moved on to the emerging areas in the areas of uh, digital trade and uh, healthcare products and supply chains and clean technology and even connectivity, where uh, the United States and India are looking to work together and uh, the meeting actually focused on very specific way forwards and options for achieving solutions in all these areas. So to that extent, the big signal that came out from the meeting was that this is a meeting which has cleared a lot of ground between the United States and India as far as the trade issues are concerned. And both sides are happy to talk trade with each other in an atmosphere of confidence and trust. That, to me, is really a very significant aspect of the meeting of the USTR. So during the meeting, it was decided that the Trade Policy Forum, or TPF, would be revived after a period of four years. 
Uh, what is the TPF and how is this going to benefit India? You see, the TPF essentially is a forum uh, which discusses uh, trade policy issues. It can be taken as a forum either defined as a 1.5 track initiative or a track two initiative uh, involving government representatives, business representatives, which are specifically intended to work out uh, trade issues that are essential and important between the two sides. The point uh, to be noted uh, from the revival of this trade policy forum is that uh, often trade is a subject uh, where the feedback that is collected on the way forward happens to come from the businesses and it is important to involve the businesses in trade-related consultations and discussions. But unfortunately, in many cases, what happens is those trade consultations remain confined only to discussions between governments. So governments are often not in a position to be apprised of the viewpoints of the businesses on several aspects that are affecting uh, the movements on trade in goods and services. So to that extent, uh, a trade policy forum and between the India and the United States, this is a forum which is expected to comprise the highest uh, global representatives of both the US and India on their uh, respective businesses. I mean, we are aware of uh, how significant the presence of these businesses will be in the forum. And also, most importantly, if it is a trade policy forum, then today we understand that the subject of trade clearly may not and cannot be looked at in isolation of all other developments around it. Trade policy cannot be discussed without a knowledge of what is going on in the area of investments, uh, without uh, casting attention on the movement of people or issues regarding infrastructure, data, digital trade, and whatever other, other factors that tend to influence uh, bilateral trade between nations. So what one would expect from the revival of the Trade Policy Forum is a purposeful and focused discussion coming in from all connected aspects on the issues of bilateral trade between India and the US. And I would uh, actually argue that this will be a very important move because till now, uh, whatever we have seen over the last four to five years is that uh, the discussions were totally confined uh, between the negotiators on both sides, but the discussions failed to take in and involve a greater community of stakeholders, essentially from the businesses, which this forum from now on will be able to take on board. USDR Catherine Tai uh, noted that India-US bilateral trade never seems to have lived up to its potential. But Indian Minister Piyush Goel in a media interview recently said, and I quote, the baggage of the past has been buried. Can you please contextualize these two statements? I think there are a couple of issues that we uh, need to note when we look at the India-US trade. The first is that uh, over the years, and I would say over the last uh, two decades and slightly more, the India-US relations have really warmed up. And today there is uh, no denying the fact that the United States and India 
are among the most important strategic partners of each other. And they tend to work together on not just uh, a large number of existing geopolitical subjects, but also in several other areas where there seems to be a distinct alignment between their national and global interests. But at the same time, unfortunately, trade has not been an area where the two countries have been looking at the subject eye to eye. There has been a substantial increase in the volume of bilateral trade. The United States uh, has been one of India's most important trade partners. Occasionally, it becomes India's largest trade partner in terms of the sheer volume of trade. But notwithstanding that, there is probably a lot in the area of bilateral trade which India and the US could have achieved but unfortunately couldn't be achieved because of a difference of perceptions on a large number of issues. And in a number of cases, these differences have actually amount to almost friction. So if one looks at, uh, let's say, for example, the number of disputes that the Indian and the United States are involved in in the WTO, it's, it's quite a lot. And then more recently, if one goes back and takes a look at uh, the history of the last four years, and that's specifically during the Trump administration, there were certain peculiarities to be noted. The first of this was that uh, the Trump administration was often, and some would say they were out of the line in uh, describing India in rather harsh trade terms, including President Trump's uh, frequent allusion to India as a tariff king and so on and so forth. So what basically happened during the period was that the India-US trade uh, relationship on one side became rather complicated because the United States uh, withdrew the GSP status, the preferential market status for Indian exports. Uh, India went to the dispute settlement at the WTO against the US along with a number of other countries where the United States unilaterally raised tariffs on steel and aluminium exports into the United States. And then finally, uh, there was this uh, issue of the H-1B visas, uh, which were temporarily frozen uh, by the Trump administration. And there were several caveats that were put into place insofar as the working flexibilities of H-1B spouses and dependents are concerned. Now, Along with these, which could be taken as uh, rather serious moves that implied fissures in the trade relation between India and the US, there was interestingly, on the other hand, also efforts made by the Trump administration uh, to talk about a bilateral free trade agreement between India and the US. And as you would recall, the Trump administration uh, didn't pay heed to a multilateral or regional perspective on trade. It took each trade relation as separate and specific and to be determined entirely on binary terms. And such was the approach that was adopted for India too. So the Trump administration and India, uh, Indian negotiators on the other side got talking about a bilateral free trade agreement. And I gather there was a fair amount of uh, movement on that. But then, you know, if you, if you, look at the two contrasting trajectories 
on one hand, uh, from an Indian perspective, you are talking trade with a country with, who is a very, very important strategic ally, if not the most important strategic ally. So you are enthused to go ahead into a bilateral structured trade relationship with them with specific rules and conditionalities. But on the other hand, it is the same country which is resorting to a fair bit of arm twisting and some some degree of trade caution on a large number of other issues. So what this means is that the environment in which the talks take place is somewhat vitiated. There's a certain degree of lack of trust in the in the conversations. And I guess from an Indian perspective, uh, it was similar to the way many other countries uh, looked at the US during the Trump administration on trade issues, that the predictability of the Trump administration on the subject of trade was so low that it was difficult for countries to understand that how much could be given for getting what was wanted. And trade negotiations ultimately are a question of give and take. But this is precisely where, uh, you know, the condition for give and take wasn't particularly well established. And there was, I would argue, a fairly pronounced trust deficit in this regard. So I think what Minister Goel's statement brings in, in the context of the USTR's visit, is the fact that there's a lot more of trust, there's a lot more of faith, and to a very large extent, the talks during the USTR's meeting have taken place under constructive conditions, to the extent that uh, there has not been any unnecessary arm twisting or coercive actions on any side. Both countries agree uh, to watch out and identify the basics and address them in so far as taking forward trade is concerned. And what I end uh, on this is by saying, I find it very interesting that the statement that was released pursuant to the meeting actually does not mention a free trade agreement at all. So I think the intention in that regard is very clear. Both countries are mature enough to understand and accept the fact that there's no point in rushing into a free trade agreement without sorting out the basics first and letting the conditions for an FTA develop on ground before. But that requires trust and understanding and that requires the right mechanisms. So the negotiations have taken place in a friendly, congenial, uh, sort of uh, constructive environment. A good consultation forum and mechanism has been set up under the TPF. So these, in a way, actually signal the right steps. My next question is regarding some issues that you referred to earlier. So American companies have flagged issues like market access, high tariff, unpredictable regulatory requirements, and restrictive digital trade measures in India. At the same time, you also made a reference to the Trump legacy problem of H-1B visas. So what do you make of the steps that are being taken to resolve these issues and where do you see it going? I think one of the things that we must note in this context is that if one looks at the Biden administration and the way it has gone about uh, managing its business and external relations over the last uh, nearly one year, uh, one gets the impression that uh, external trade or engaging in very robust, ambitious uh, 
uh, trade agreements is not really the top priority for the administration. The Biden administration is very specifically focused on domestic management. And this just doesn't include its very high priority with respect to managing the COVID-19 pandemic and public health issues. But from whatever other work the administration has done till now, uh, it is quite clear that uh, the Biden administration has a worker interest focused policy and agenda at the back of its mind. And to that extent, it would want the United States trade relations to be fashioned in a way which doesn't affect the interests of domestic workers. Now, when I say that, uh, that is not just a political point of view, that is also a rather important socio-economic point of view because the workers have been behind uh, the entire political campaign that has grown around lack of jobs and trade agreements that the United States has got into being discriminatory and the overall context of globalization bringing in benefits in a discriminatory fashion more for certain groups and nothing for other groups and this is the narrative which led to the growth of the Trump phenomenon. The Biden administration is extremely mindful of the path that it has ahead of it in this regard and it is clearly not going to pursue any trade agreement or enter into any trade negotiations which send a signal to the domestic community about the fact that there are issues in these negotiations that might be injurious to the economic and long-term social health of the American workers who are the core constituencies of the Democrats. Having said that, the Biden administration is realistic enough to understand the importance of staying deeply engaged with strategic allies and also in the process put the United States back to where it always has been, that is at the head of the global table. And in order to do so, the Biden administration must be engaged in global trade talks not just at the multilateral level of the WTO, but also with its major allies. And these include Japan, these include India, the United Kingdom, Europe, Australia. Uh, we are getting reports on the Biden administration also looking to revive the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership, which the Obama administration was negotiating with the European Union. Now, whether it goes ahead with that or not, whether it takes a view on the Trans-Pacific Partnership or not, but when it comes to a country like India, I think the Biden administration is very clear on what it wants from these trade talks. It wants to deepen its engagement with India as much as possible, and it clearly understands that strategic relations cannot become as firm and as durable as they should be between the United States and India, unless and until there is more trade in this regard. But in order to achieve that, they, in the sense the Biden administration, will be cautious on how much can be given to the counterpart. So when it comes to those kind of issues and when we look at 
issues like the H-1B visas. I think the Biden administration is uh, practical in realizing that H-1B visas have been a route which has brought great amount of productivity to the American labor market and to the business interests. And to that extent, since it believes in a multicultural, inclusive uh, immigration policy, it is not going to really be restrictive on the H-1B visas, at least the way the Trump administration was. But having said that, it's also going to trade the path cautiously in order to not send the signal of being uh, in any way uh, Look, being looked at as damaging to American worker interests. This is something which India will need to take note. And on the other hand, uh, there is always this fact that uh, today the American economy is probably in a position to have recovered some ground uh, after COVID-19. But having said that, it needs to continue being the most prominent major economy in the world and obviously the, the largest economy in the world. And for that, it needs to be very deeply engaged in economic and business operations with a large emerging market developing country like India. American businesses, as we have seen over the last two to three years, particularly in the areas of digital operations, have actually uh, begun digging quite deep into India, we have seen the Amazon, Walmart, Microsoft, Google, all of them coming into India in very large measure. But there's obviously much, much more ground that can be explored. And this is something which is good for India as well. India is looking forward to do that. But then market access barriers remain. I suppose market access barriers, at least uh, some of them are of that nature, which can be sorted out without too much of political backlash uh, on an Indian end. But when it goes into more sensitive areas like agriculture, probably India will need to see cautiously how much this can be done. But this is also to bring back our attention to the fact that uh, there are existing concerns in the trade relationship, which has been there for quite some time. And without sorting out which, it really doesn't make sense to go back for an FTA. And the good part is that these issues have been identified and there are ways forward. I mean, there are ways forward. These are not impossible to be achieved. And as long as both sides are committed to implement the solutions that they have identified, I guess the conditions are going to become much easier over time. On a related note, it has been recently announced that the Biden administration is considering restoration of India's GSP, that is uh, the Generalized System of Preference Status, which was revoked in 2019. How do you see this benefiting bilateral ties? I think it will be a very significant step. But at the same time, the Biden administration will also probably need to re-evaluate the situation under which the Indian GSP status was withdrawn and if it is eventually restored again because uh, when the GSP status was withdrawn uh, during the Trump administration, the ostensible ground that was uh, provided for doing so was that India is uh, a large enough, big enough country and has really come a rather long way in achieving economic maturity and economic growth 
so much so that it is today uh, among the 10 largest economies of the world. And it really doesn't meet a unilateral preferential market access into the United States anymore. Uh, its exporters can survive without that preferential access and the U.S. would prefer shifting the preferential access to smaller economies and poorer economies who might benefit from those. Now, this from a particular point of view might have a certain degree of traction, but from an Indian perspective, uh, there is no denying the fact that the United States has been its largest export market and the United States market has been of great benefit uh, to a large number of Indian exporters, but at the same time, it is also notable that from a United States perspective also, it has been possible through the GSP to obtain products at much cheaper rates than some of their substitutes and their global prices, and which has been of great benefit to the American consumer. So it's not going to be a one-sided situation or an outcome if the GSP for India is revived. And today, of course, uh, we face a situation where uh, the India-US strategic relationship is of uh, such a character, of uh, such a scale, where uh, there, is, there is no harm, there, is no, uh, there are no eyebrows that would be raised if there are specific arrangements that the US and India work out between themselves which need not necessarily get extended to a large number of other countries. And I guess the restoration of GSP could be something like that. And it will be a very important signal. Finally, do you think that the close cooperation between India and the US in multilateral forums like the Quad uh, can translate into stronger bilateral trade ties between the two countries? Because at the last uh, Quad meeting that took place, it was highlighted that Uh, the grouping would be much more than one focused only on security. They raised issues regarding technology, space, climate change, vaccines, and global health as well. I think this uh, is indeed a very important context, uh, as you point out, and that is going to fashion the India-US trade in the uh, months and years to come, uh, very definitely, because in a sense... Uh, Whether one looks at uh, the bilateral context or whether one looks at uh, any other conversation, the fact remains that over the last one year or a little more, and in fact, uh, persequent uh, to the COVID-19 outbreak, India and the US have actually started working together in uh, areas which have a very direct connection to their trade relationship. And uh, this has happened with respect to the partnership that they have entered into along with Japan and Australia in the Quad on vaccines. This has happened with respect to their intentions to work together in making sensitive uh, supply chains much more resilient. And this is also happening with respect to uh, their intentions to work together on the subject of uh, infrastructure and connectivity in the Indo-Pacific region. And let us not forget that India and the US have also been part of uh, larger global discussions in the G7 as well as in the G20 
on how uh, sustainable development concerns can be brought into the largest subject of international trade in a, in a uh, comprehensive fashion. We haven't yet seen the India and the US collaborating very closely at the WTO, but we have certainly seen much lesser friction. And in fact, the current USTR visit and the statement that came out on the back of it also contains a suggestion that the India and the US will try to work together to minimize the bilateral disputes between them and the WTO. See, all these, I think, to an extent, are reflective of the fact that the India and the United States have really come of age as far as their strategic relations are concerned. And that strategic uh, relationship has led to their extensive collaboration across a wide uh, specter of uh, spaces, which uh, include trade in a very substantive fashion. And trade is obviously not just a question of only goods and services crossing borders. Uh, trade means much more than that. Uh, in fact, today's trade is probably as uh, all-encompassing and overlapping across various spaces of uh, business, politics, investment, and technology as it was never before. So to that extent, I think the context for the India-US specific bilateral trade conversation has been enabled by their larger and greater cooperation in regional and global forums. And I expect a greater cooperation in these forums will only make their bilateral trade relationship far more conducive to be taken forward. On that note of greater cooperation, thank you so much, Dr. Palit, for sharing your insights with us today. You're welcome. And it was my pleasure to be a part of this conversation. Thank you so much. You were listening to South Asia Chat. To learn more about our work, visit us at isas.nus.edu.sg. You can also follow us on social media. Our pages are on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Mm-hmm.